Welcome to the Once and Future Authors Podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I'm so delighted today to be joined by ghostwriter Pat Kramer. But you're going to find out she's a heck of a lot more than a ghostwriter. She's got all sorts of things going on. Thanks so much for joining me. It's my pleasure. Oh, totally. Thrilled to have you. And, and you do so much more than just ghostwrite, although I have to say ghostwriting is one of my favorite terms. I picture writers with the, you know, uh, a sheet over our heads, sitting there typing. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit how you got into what you're doing in the first place before we go into some of the... Oh, sure. Well, you know, I've always been a writer, even as a child. I love doing book reports. And I was one of those kids that was always good at spelling bees. And I read books constantly. So you know, my vocabulary was was better than most children, I think, because of that. Um, I graduated with a degree in mass communications from Emerson College, and I decided that I was going to be a news broadcaster. So that was where I began my career. And I worked for about 10 years around New England at different radio stations, um, covering news, broadcasting, being a producer of different interesting shows that we did at different radio stations, depending on the format. When I reached a point where I hit my head on the glass ceiling, um, I decided that the pay was not worth getting up at 3 a.m. to go to work for five, because I often had morning drive. Morning drive, by the way, is the prime position to be in if you're a news broadcaster, that's when other people are waking up and you're on the air. And I was doing that. But to do that, I had to get up at 3 a.m. and be at work at 5. And on the way to work, I had to stop at a police station and look through their log for the evening on who was arrested and what kind of crimes were committed. So um, I didn't have much of a life, if you can imagine. And I decided I wanted to do something else, but I didn't know what. So I had an opportunity to move to Southern California, where I now live. I live in Los Angeles. I started out here just working in, you know, various other things that were not related to what I wanted to do. And that, that was for about two years. I, I worked for a couple of newspapers as a news writer, I did entertainment writing, I did feature writing, I worked for a cable TV company doing their marketing and promotions. And that was fun, but I didn't want to do that because I'm a writer. I needed to be doing writing. When when you know what you love, you have to, you have to be in that position or you're cheating yourself. So I had an opportunity one day to meet a friend, a family friend, who said, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I, you know, I'm working for this company. And she said, but what do you do? What are you? And I said, well, I'm a writer. And she said, well, then say you're a writer. And she invited me to join a networking group called LaTip. But to join LaTip, you had to have a company, you had to have a company that you represented. So that was the beginning of Writer for Hire, which was just out of thin air, this is what I do. I'm a writer for hire. And that was in January of 1990. I joined that networking group and gradually I learned how to run my own small business and advanced it by degrees, you know, 
as I got better at, at running my business, but I got to write full time. And I will say one thing, Stephanie, um, when you start a business, you don't want to depend on the income for your making a living. So I had a full-time job in an ad agency for two years, my first two years of my business. And I worked 40 hours a week there. And then I worked doing my clients writing, you know, of content into the evening, into the late hours of the evening. And then I also all, you know, wrote for a variety of different magazines and newspapers just to make ends meet. And here, here I am 32 years later. And actually, you know, I'm at a point where it just seems easy because I'm not working. I'm not a slave to my work. I love my work. That's fantastic. And, and great advice not to um, quit the, the, the stable thing that's bringing in the money. Uh, some people, of course, are thrust into that position and they simply have to make it work. But if you... Uh, my heart goes out to them because it is not easy your first two years. Yeah, well, you got to do whatever you got to do to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm picturing how your first two years you were actually working full time, working the business, doing all sorts of things. When did you even sleep or eat? I remember once writing an article for the uh, it was the L.A. Business Journal, and I finished it at 3 a.m. And I had to get up at like 630 to go to work. And I went to close the file and I forgot to save it. <gasps> and the whole thing went away that I had been writing. And it was due the next morning, of course. I was on deadline. So I had to recreate from memory what I had written. And after I got over the panic of what I had just done, I was able to get myself in a position of just remembering. And I just rewrote it all from memory. And I got it done. And what I learned from that experience is you don't want to be writing when you're tired because you do things like that. You always have to be in the best shape. And still, even to this day, if I don't get a good night's sleep, I'm not going to work on my clients' materials because I don't want to give them anything less than 100%. So I'll, I'll do something that is, you know, wrote to me, you know, like transcribing an interview or something that you know, it doesn't matter. But if I need to be in the creative mode where I have to actually pull words out of my brain, I have to get a good night's sleep because I go very deep into another state of consciousness. <laughs> and I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to try to do anything else. Well, I'm not even going to have a conversation with anybody, you know, because it's not going to make sense. Right. When I'm in that writer's mode, I am focused. And that's where I need to be. I think another takeaway from your disaster is autosave. Make sure you're always <laughs> writing something that has autosave. Yes, exactly. Well, I have that now, but you know, <laughs> we're talking about back in the 1990s oh, yeah, when well, technology yeah. was a little bit different. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, nowadays I know for myself, not only is it autosave, but it's autosave to the cloud so that if something happens to the whole shebang i still have it right if you get hacked or you get a virus you know your files could be corrupted and then you can't recover them exactly no. truthfully right and all of us have had at least one disaster happen 
and and that's kind of how you learn, isn't it? When you have those disasters. I also learned that I, I had a pretty good memory and that I could recreate from just knowing my material very quickly um, if I needed to rely upon that. Right. And that's good to know. It is. It's good to know. And we <laughs> never need to rely on it again. <laughs> right. Exactly. Now, over the years, you've done all sorts of writing from um, advertising and marketing writing, you know, through people's books and et cetera and so forth. What's your favorite thing to write? I think my favorite at this point is writing memoirs for seniors. Yes. And I started doing that uh, about eight years ago after I wrote my own family memoir. I actually wrote four family memoirs for each branch of my grandparents. Oh, I wrote nice. a separate story and I did a lot of research because, you know, there weren't many people around to interview from that generation. I did find one on my grandmother's side. Yeah. And my grandmother, my dad's mother, my paternal uh, grandmother's side. Uh, I found a relative who still existed from that generation. And she was, she was a lot younger than the other people of her generation, which is why she was still around. But she was such a great resource for me. And she remembered stories about my grandparents that I had never heard. And I interviewed her. I got to know her. Um, I did the same with other people on the other branches of the family. I tracked people down. And when you're a news journalist, you learn how to track people down. <laughs> so I have ways of finding people. But I love doing that because I... I can recreate history for people and their, their children and their grandchildren um, that the senior may have certain details about uh, that no one else has. And I listen to them, I ask them a lot of questions and I capture those stories that no one else has the time or, the, or maybe the capability to do. I don't wanna say the interest because I know a lot of times it, you know, the grandchildren or the children are too busy mm -hmm. and dad wants to tell you a story you've heard 15 times, but maybe he's going to tell it a different way this time. And if you don't listen, you might not learn. And so I'm the one that listens for the family. Oh, and I write these things down. What a gift. And, and I know you I love have that a program about legacy and leaving a legacy. Tell me a little bit about that program. Okay. Um, well, like I said, I started with my own family, the four grandparents. Um, I knew that my dad and my, well, my dad's parents came from the Ukraine. And I knew actually where my grandmother's village was. It was called Shepetovka. My grandfather came from Odessa or somewhere in the area of Odessa. Uh, but they had both come over at the early, the early part of the um, 1900s very early in the 1900s. So they were really Americanized when I knew them. Um, and then, you know, I, I wanted to know more about them, but they weren't around anymore. So I, so I had to, like I said, I had to do a lot of research. I had to find people who knew them. Um, having done that for my family, I then was able to start doing it for other people. I have a variety of clients now who are at different stages 
in their memoir stories. Uh, I just finished one for a family whose mother is from Cuba and she came over before Castro locked everything down before the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. She came over like two weeks before that happened. Her mother was supposed to come. She was 12 years old. The mother sent her out first because she said that was what parents did. They sent the kids out. The kids got to America and retrieved the parents. Oh. And that was the way that was the way it worked to get immigrants into the country. You sent the children out first. She sent her daughter out, hoping that she would follow two weeks later wasn't able to follow for five years. Oh and during those five years, this woman didn't know what happened to her mother because she, she wasn't getting any news from Cuba because the country was locked down. And when she did start to get a little bit of information, um, it, the letters were all opened and they were monitored and things were crossed out. And oh, so she, she really didn't know what was going on till. She finally met her mother and she was, you know, was like 17 when she met her mother. She was a child when she left. So I got to learn that whole history and give it back to her daughters right. who really wanted to know about their mom's past. I did the same for another uh, gentleman from Basque country in Spain. His children live here in L.A. and they wanted their dad to talk about his past. And he never really told him much about it. But when I sat down with him, he started telling me all the stories. And um, I, I was able to recreate his past for his children about what it was like in the old country, the, the values that they had, the, the hobbies, um, what his parents were like, his sisters and brothers, uh, what they did for a living, which was um, farming. But he tried to be a shepherd. He came over to America on a government program to be a shepherd in <laughs> Arizona. Yeah, they had a, uh, some sort of program where if you lived in Basque country, they wanted you to herd sheep in Arizona because there was a, a shortage of shepherds. And so if you were a shepherd, you had those skills, which Basque country is known for. You could come over on this program. He had to agree to work for a year or two. And he did that. And he um, he learned that he did not like being a shepherd. And he told me all the reasons why. It was cold. It was lonely. You were in a remote place. There were wolves howling. Um, there was no medical, you know, any kind of medical resources. If you hurt yourself, you were stuck up there in the mountains for three months. And he had he had to work very, very hard. Um, consequently, when he finished doing that, he didn't want to do it anymore. And he got on a bus with a ticket, didn't know anyone in LA, took a bus to LA because he heard there were jobs there. And, um, you know, like most immigrants, he worked for someone else for a couple of years. And then he founded his own business, uh, building fences, which is what he did in the end at the, um, at the, sheep herding operation in Arizona. He built their fences, the corrals for the sheep. So that's how he had those, he learned those skills by working there. Wow. Um, I'm working on another one right now that is well over 300 pages. And that's for a woman whose family can be traced back to the Revolutionary War um, on two sides of the four grandparents. And um, we're doing detailed cameos on each person in the family, which is why it's so long. 
and she's the family historian. There's one in every family. <laughs> and that person always has all the records. They inherit all the records from the other family members um, because nobody wants to be responsible for them because they're old, you know, and they, they're valuable. So somebody usually ends up with them and she's that person. And so I'm putting together the book for her. Um, I should mention, I also write motivational books for some of my clients, which is either about their life experiences. And these are usually younger people who are in business and they want to share their, you know, whatever hardships they've been through and how they've overcome them. So I'm working on two books like that right now. And I've also done some books for people who have specialties in the area of accounting and law on their practices. So a variety of things, but I'm a news journalist by trade, so I know how to do that. I love that. Now, with these memoirs, and I know you give talks and, and whatnot about mm -hmm. memoirs, which I think is so, what a gift you're giving people. I mean, you're literally giving them the gift of their family, their legacy, their history. I mean, that's what you're giving them in, in the form of your time and your talent. And that's just amazing. I, you also are a genealogist. You, you do this research and find these people. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a genealogist per se. I mean, well, I do the research. Yes. Yeah, I'm a news reporter. Um, I do have a resource that is an online research librarian, and he has access to all the databases, you know, government databases, things I can't access. Um, so I usually use him as an extra resource for my clients if they need that. Mm -hmm. Me, I mostly do the interviewing. I'll do a little research online. Um, the genealogy part that I did, I did that on Ancestry.com. And let me tell you, it took three months of every waking moment that I had to really? dig up all of the information that I needed to build my own family tree. My family tree ended up being over 350 people. You know, I mean, I've met all kinds of people since I've done that. I'm in touch with relatives from all four, well, on three sides of the family. One of the branches I didn't have much success with, but the other three, I've, I've met new relatives. I've actually visited them and stayed with them. Uh, I have some family in Marblehead that invited me to come out and, you know, vacation there. I have other family uh, that has, you know, um, that live in New England also in Providence in uh, Massachusetts, Lexington, um, Natick, and uh, I'm from Massachusetts, so it's nice when I go back, you know, and now I know the family members that I never knew, so I have someone to visit. I have a reason to go back. Right. Oh, that's amazing for your own family, but for the ones who are your clients, you know, they come to you and, you know, you're, you're documenting, you're finding people that they might have never known about, and in, in the case of the young woman whose mother was from Cuba, I mean, you've given her in a sense, her whole childhood that she missed, you were able to provide that piece. That was really lovely. Um, she, uh, she had a little, she had a hard time talking about some of it. You know, it, it was painful for her. And it sometimes is when I'm interviewing people, they, you know, they go back to the feelings of how they felt when they left, you know, in their childhood. It's kind of like therapy. 
where people get to work through those emotions. And the other aspect of it that I want to point out is that they get to look at their childhood experiences as an adult and see them in a new way and revisit them from a different posture, a different point of view, so that, you know, where she she felt abandoned by her mother, you know, this particular individual. Now she looks at it as an adult and she says, you know, my mother didn't have the skills to raise me. And she wasn't even a high school, high school graduate. She didn't have good jobs where she was making enough money. And that's why she sent me to live with my grandmother and my aunts for weeks at a time. But when she was between jobs, she just didn't have enough money to feed herself and me. And so she was able to look at it and, and have some compassion for her mother, which as a child, you know, you just don't have those capabilities. So it's, it's very healing. And it's also something you can pass down as a legacy to future generations, because someday those grandchildren are going to be old enough to ask those questions. And if you don't have answers for them, they'll never know where they came from. It, that, that's the amazing part is being able to pass it down so that the person you're working with, but all of their generations to come will know the history. Exactly. I've got to ask you a question. Sure. Did you ever discover something that maybe somebody didn't want to know or surprising? You must... If you, you're doing all um, you well, any names. I'm just curious. No, I'll tell you um, what that re- what that reminds me of. I was hired to work with a client who wanted to do um, a family story, a book. She actually wanted to do a book. And the reason she wanted to do a book is because her parents had been murdered. Oh. <laughs> and she was a baby in the crib when an intruder entered the house and stabbed her parents to death. Oh my. It's a really horrible story. And she was just like two months old. The murder was never solved. Um, one of her brothers was blamed. Her brother was a child, you know, I think he was like 11 or 12. And he was the witness. He was the only witness because the other brother hid, hid in the room. But the one brother was out of bed and saw the intruder. And somehow the police blamed the child instead of looking for the murderer. And she wanted to write a book to just um, set the record straight of what really happened. And she wanted me to help her, you know, with the, she had done a lot of research, but she wanted me to help her write it. Um, unfortunately, the brothers did not want to participate. Um, the brother who had <clears throat> hid and was not a witness wanted nothing to do with it. He said, I don't understand why you're even bringing up the past. And the one who had been blamed, he seemed initially like he was in favor of doing something with this project. But for whatever reason, he decided he didn't want to bring up the past because it would put him in the news again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's an adult now, he's retired, and he didn't really have an interest in having that brought to the public again. So it never went any further. I worked with her for maybe 20 hours just to 
initially get her <clears throat> version of the story and then everything stopped dead in its tracks. So that is the one example of what happens sometimes. I do not usually get people who bring me stories like that. Usually it's, can you talk to my dad or my grandfather? You know, I want to capture his stories before he's too old to remember them. Um, so most of the time, no, you know, there isn't any, there isn't anything that people are afraid of knowing. Uh, a lot of times it isn't easy. Um, I had one client who was a survivor of the Cambodian genocide. Um, yeah, she, she wanted to talk about it. And her son hired me because he wanted to know her story, which she wasn't willing to tell him. She was willing to tell me, however, uh, and, you know, blow by blow of what happened to her and her family in the four years that they spent in the jungles of Cambodia trying to survive and find enough food to keep them alive uh, because they were only fed a handful of rice a day by the Khmer Rouge soldiers who were looking for people that they could assassinate um, because that was what they were trained to do. And it was a very, very scary time in history. Her son wanted to know his mother's history and he, he got it right between the eyes. Um, but he thanked me for it because it was important for him to know where he came from. And it was important to his mother to let go of all these dark secrets that she had been holding on to. Because when you hold on to dark secrets, you feel it right in your chest. You're holding that information. And she was afraid she would forget it. And she felt like she needed to share it somewhere to get it off her chest. And once she shared it with me, she told me that she no longer woke up in the middle of the night with, with um, panic attacks, thinking she was still in the jungle. It relieved her of the burden of having to remember all of this stuff because now it was on paper and she could let go. So yeah, we get those sometimes, but you know what? They happened just like anyone who has experienced any kind of trauma, it happens. You can't say, you know, you can't make it go away. It's part of your, your physical memory as well as your emotional memory. Wow. You it's know, a, it's really interesting how these things work. As you were saying that, you know, I had said, what a gift you're giving of their history, but really you're giving them the gift of themselves to be able to, to know and, you're definitely a therapist. People carry <laughs> with you uh, traumas in their life, things that they didn't even know were a trauma that you're the one who's bringing them to the table sometimes um, mm -hmm. with the details and such. And that's such a special and difficult position for you to be in. It is. And, you know, I just maintain a calm demeanor throughout the whole thing, a professional distancing, if you will. Uh, I am not there to judge anybody. I am there just to sympathize and help them get their story told. That's, I think that's one of my skills from my years of being a news journalist. Um, you know, when I was a news journalist for 10 years, there were situations that I sometimes had to cover that were very, very difficult. And I had to interview people that were traumatized. So I learned how to get in there, ask the questions, and 
tell their stories, you know, in a, in a balanced way of reporting it. And news journalism is different from what I'm doing now. I, I don't have to do the balanced journalism, mm. but I do need to tell their stories with compassion. And, and you also don't need to get up at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. I am not a morning person. Oh, I agree with you. I could agree with you more. Where can people find you? Because I can't imagine that people are listening and they're not saying she can do that. She can find <laughs> out all about my, I've always wondered about my family. I don't even know anyone past my parents and, and where, where do I find her? So Tell us, where can we find you? Okay. Um, well, you can find me at www.writerpatkramer.com. And that's W-R-I-T-E-R-P-A-T-K-R-A-M-E-R.com. And I would also make the suggestion that if someone wants me to do an interview with someone that's a senior to contact me before they're in the stage of dementia, mm. um, it is not appropriate to go to someone's bedside when they're, when they're dying and hammer them with questions. Um, that is not a good time to be doing interviews because they do not have the strength to do that. I want to talk to the seniors when they're in a position to have conversations so that I can interview them and maybe also talk to other family members that know them and be able to verify certain information. But um, do it when they're still with you and when they have the resources to do that, the mental capabilities. Um, that is when it's important to do that. And I can do it using Zoom like we're doing now. So I don't have to be in the same state. I don't even have to be in the same country. We can also do it over the phone. I've done that with some of my clients who just aren't capable of using a computer. Um, and whatever way is good for them, that's, that's how I want to work with them. I want to make it easy for them in order to really just capture all the relevant memories that they have and what is important to them, because that's ultimately where, where the stories lie. Exactly. Okay. Writerpatkramer.com. If you want Absolutely. to get started on your story, and as we heard, please start sooner rather than later, because if you have relatives who are getting up there in years, you definitely want to get those stories uh, captured and saved before their memory clouds over. So I would say call today. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, just to bring you into the loop here, um, I can do the memoir very simply if people do not want to spend a lot of money. We can do something like this, which is, you know, just a printed cardstock. Uh, this is the individual I interviewed, and these were his children. Um, I can do that type of thing. I can do it as a digital file, or I can bring Stephanie Larkin in and Red Penguin, and we can actually publish it because Stephanie's an independent publisher. We can actually create a book out of it right. with, you know, where it's got an ISBN number and it can be sold on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com or just have them printed 
for your own family. Um, let me ask you this, Stephanie. Um, is there a certain number of books they have to print when they work with you? No, not with us. I don't like there to be any minimums. You know, I, I, I think that that just kind of drives up costs and I'm not about that. So, so they could print 25 copies if they wanted or 100 copies. Exactly. Or we could set it up so that it's print on demand and they can have it digital. And then when they want one or when the grandchildren want one or whoever, they can get the copies at that point. So there is no. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm happy to have you as a resource because well, you are a wonderful resource for my clients. Well, thank you. And I have such a soft spot for what you're doing because um, years ago when I first decided that we were going into publishing and opening, I, I kind of realized that this was a pinnacle moment and whatever that book with the first ISBN number, the first published book was going to be very, very special. So I held everything because I was so fortunate that my mother had interviewed my stepfather and that became our very first book that we released is his story. This is lovely. I knew you, but you and I obviously are simpatico because I desperately wanted that to be our first. So I am, I am a huge believer in what you're doing and a big, big fan. So I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you. I, I'm a fan of you too. And we actually have a client in common who we are both working with on a book. Absolutely. And I have no doubt that in the future, we'll have many more. I'm sure of that. But for all of our listeners here, please, please visit writerpatkramer.com and get started on your family story. There is nothing, nothing like having your history. She also writes a million other things. So whatever you might need, she's out there in sunny California, writer for hire. But please visit her and get started on your family history. Pat, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Stephanie. And um, I would also say there's no age that you have to be to start this process. It's whenever you're ready. Fantastic. I'm working with, with one client who's uh, 32 right now, writing his book. Awesome. And he, he is a entrepreneur that has already made uh, quite a fortune for himself in his industry. And um, so, you know, there's whatever time you're ready to write, that's when it's a good time to sit down and do it whenever you're committed. Fantastic, that's great. And uh, you know, that 32 year old who has enough already to fill a book, I'm sure in 10 years, you're gonna have to write another one because he'll just keep going. Maybe even- Absolutely, I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, and for our listeners, happy writing. Thank you very much.